G'day, thanks for checking out our year-round carnival podcast, a day late, out of our hands, what can you do? We're going to have a deep dive into the Rose Hill Golden Slipper meeting, and of course, Flemington, the All-Star Mile, was about Z, Z, Zaki, ZZ Top. PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. And Vince Accardi from Daily Sectionals joins us. Uh, of course, that audio courtesy of uh, Racing.com and Sky Racing, respectively. Uh, hello, mate. Good morning, Rolfie. <laughs> Let's start off with uh, the All-Star Mile, get straight into it uh, before we look at the uh, the all the group ones at, uh, at Rose Hill. Wow. Wow. Um, did you expect a slow pace? Well, no. But <laughs> what, what was the creator of the slow pace, I guess, is the big question, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what we want to know. So, And, and I, I will put one thing on the table. Firstly, uh, Mr. Brightside missed the start from the inside barrier. So there's your chaos theory right there because everyone had it as part of that heat. Yeah. I have no doubt that the ground conditions – were definitely off. There's no yeah. question about that. There was no way that track was, you know, in the good ground. Of course, how's it about? Well, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Because I mean, when I look at it for the fastest, for some of the, the quality of the horses that were on show, for the speeds they were travelling at, and it's not only about the first section; it's also in the second section as well. It's very evident to the 600 metres the track was off. In, and what I mean by off, I'm not saying it was a disaster. It was damp. Yeah. It had. It was in the genuine D5 range, which is what called the S5. That's what they should have called it. Right. They should have called it an S5. So on the uh, on your IVR report afterwards, and you get that with Sizzlers, by the way. But um, average one length below to the 800, just below to the 600, just above to the 400, just above the 200, and fast bit last bit, which is always the case. Yeah, and. And I get it, the last 400 metres, we're on top of the ground. So they've, if they want to say that's a good ground for the last 400 metres, accurate assessment. Yeah, and that's where the best drainage is at Flemington. Yep. So we always said that, and the, the, the giveaway is in the winter when sometimes it can be a mess to the 800 and then <laughs> the last 800's better ground. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, so that, that's the first part. So we're, we're sort of thinking of a, of a soft five-range track, and then the second part is... Uh, there was going to be heat with uh, with some fast on paces, and they didn't deliver for various reasons. Yeah, well, this is what happened in the end, like you said, Ralphie. Here we are. We're travelling 1.5 lengths below be- benchmark, which would mean even if you took some consideration for the ground condition, you're probably travelling benchmark at best. So there's no there's no pressure. In fact, even in the mid race, absolutely no pressure. You look at Zaki, 2.4 lengths below benchmark to the 800 metre mark, 2.7 lengths below benchmark between the 8 and the 4. And there's the finish, 1.6 above. I mean, we know that 
even this that horse has got a high sustained speed than that. And then I look at I'm Thunderstruck as an example, Ralphie. For me, when I look at the visuals, then I look at the numbers. I'm Thunderstruck, 6.4 lengths below benchmark first section, made a five-length mid-race move, which is well and truly inside that horse's wheelhouse. Especially off a slow, slow yeah. pace. And then three, only a 3.1 finish. See, it's interesting. I thought the horse raced heavy That when I looked at the horse's visuals. And heavy, what I mean is like you're fatiguing, right? Yep. So obviously, even at 6.4 lengths below benchmark, if you're on that soft ground, Coming into the four hundred meters, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna feel that. You're gonna yeah, definitely feel things, it in the end. Yeah, and one, one of the things you said on the on the on the preview pod was call sign Mav. Don't expect to have speed in the legs, and I think there might have been some death by speed map here. And by that, oh well, call sign Mav leads and he leads quickly, so let's get behind it. Well, call sign Mav had no speed in its legs off that brutal Australian Cup the week before. Spot on, Ralphie. And like when I seen it leading, I was going, wow. How fast are they really going, right? Yeah. And there it is, 1.5 lengths below benchmark. Again, like I said, you know, and at the absolute best, it's benchmark. You know, it's I would still would have marked it just if I want to make an internal adjustment. I'm still marking that race below benchmark first section. Um, we're, we're here, you know, all on as a winner, etc. And we're, yes. we're here just to, to tell it as it is. With Zaki, you've made a real clear... Um, Spike, if you like, was the Dubin Cup. That was a Winks like performance. But you said he's just not breaking out of his full range. Um, so I've got a, one of the members' questions here from Stephen. Um, given Vince has been a little lukewarm on Zaki, it'd be great to hear his breakdown. The All Star Mile did he get a soft run? Streets of Avalon running third a group mile, one mile suggests so. How the backmarkers like Inspirational Girl do over the final sections? A great day's racing all round. And let's uh, let's add Streets of Avalon to the mix. There, he's, a, he's an old warrior. 66 yes. start. We know his best is 1,400. And in a high-pressure mile, he can't run it. Well, he's run third. Yeah, oh, no question. And like we sort of touched on, even in the podcast on the Saturday morning, Ralphie, when we just do the quick whip around, you had to be leaning towards Zaki as a, as a serious winning contender because it was going to get the favourable race shape in terms of, you know, positioning running. Horses, most horses win races run to suit. Now, of course, not that I could predict this sort of speed, right? Yeah. Nor could I really genuinely forecast that this ground was going to have that sort of give in it. But the reality was we did sort of touch on that if they go fast, the horse is going to slot in. Now, if they go slow, there is this possibility that the horse could get trapped wide, but that's going to force her hand to go forward and lead. So as it turned out, she got herself in the golden position. This is Jamie Carr and Zaki. And then it was really never in doubt that this horse was going to be hard to beat from there. But like you said, from a performance point of view, yes, it was up a length from the previous run, which is fantastic. But this horse didn't didn't you know break out and create something unbelievable. All it's doing is it's running 100% to its trend line and boys are going to be in trouble if it steps up and, and tries to meet a few other runners, like are they going to run like up to 2,000 or something? 2,000 against Animo. There you go. Oh, no chance. Up. No chance. <laughs> None. None. <laughs> Seriously. No chance at all. Uh, well, hopefully we'll, we'll come back to Animo yeah, and we'll course. talk about that, but none against that horse. There's no way. Because one's still climbing and looking for a new peak. We know that where this horse sits. And I'm fairly confident. You know, again, from the visuals, I looked at it again on race day. 
this horse is extremely forward. There's not another inch of improvement. All it can do is, you know, run to its very best, except for that Doomben performance, right? Because I don't believe that horse will ever run to that number again. Yeah, so that, that, there's, there's your spike outlier. The, as far as I'm Thunderstruck goes, um, we'll obviously do a deep dive leading into it, but what's your level of confidence that it's got a real good peak to come in the new, in, in the Doncaster, which is also, it, they, the, the, the price Kent Camp said, he's set for two races, and that's the second of them. Well, probably wasn't the golden opportunity in terms of what the horse did from a speed perspective. But was it another good hit off and another good rounding run? Yes, for sure. When I look at the overall figure, plus 2.2, we've seen from first up to now, we've seen this horse improve almost one and three quarter lengths. So it is trending still towards the, I would say at this stage, I've pinned it trending towards five and not seven. And it, it could, it may, well, I don't know, you know, if it's going to get to seven. This time in just depends. Like, were they going to have straight into the Doncaster? Is that the game plan for them? Well, I'm pretty sure it's a week after okay. next. So yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And you know how fast those races are run, Ralphie. Guess Generally, the, what, what's and, and we're just spitballing here, but the um, these only heavy track run was a sale at sale. So have you got a, a confident level on uh, on him at a well, good class or not? That track wasn't heavy, Ralphie. Right. Uh, no, heavy, it. so it wasn't heavy. Yeah, well, when you got raw figures 0.7 above, how can it be heavy? Yeah, yeah. The the run at Caulfield, that's a real guide. Yes, fifteen point seven lengths below on the raw, that's yep. your indicator, right? You know, it's a hundred percent definite S seven range. Yep, and there it is, four point two. And this is why I feel that the horse ran looked a bit heavy in running. You go and have a look at it, and and in the home straight, just looked heavy. And the ground conditions obviously zapped a lot of juice out of the horse in terms of, you know, ha- keeping that um, the lactic out of the legs, and obviously felt that it felt that. Now this should help it. Stephen asked about inspirational girl. Is she a better dry horse? There's no doubt this horse is also a better dry tracker. Yep. And you have a look at where it came from. It came from virtually the same place as. I'm thunderstruck in terms of positioning running. There was very little between them, even into right up until the last 400, and the horse showed no no finish. Now, there could be a touch of flatness from that because it was a big boom at the start before Ralphie and the run before that. It could have been. I won't say absolutely no, but, again, another runner impacted by the ground conditions and the work that it had to do through the first half of the race. No finish. There you go. Um, Troy's just wanted to open up a real wound for me here, but I'll ask a question anyway. Do you mind asking Vince about Cherry Tortoni Race 7 at Flemington yesterday? To me, it looked as if he was ridden to settle last, no matter what more could be done by the jock to have him positioned a length or two close at the bend, which could have seen him win the race. Do any of the figures show he has ridden too slowly up front first 400? A wheeze racing pattern needs luck more often. Uh, Looked like there was no urgency to get him into the race earlier. And uh, with that, I'll add, Vince, uh, there was that slowdown from the 400 to 200, which you can explain. Well, the beauty is, if you want to call any race with some pressure, this at least, at least this race had it. Yeah. And they ran faster on the clock as well. Yep. Now, I know people saying ground drying. Uh, ground drying. Maybe. In 40 minutes. Yeah, maybe you know we can add something to it, right? But it's not going to—it's not going to drive by drive by five lengths or six lengths, and no way, yes. right? But this this was there was intent here, and so I look at the position and running. This horse was last, but it would have been leading 
or equal. It would have been in the lead pack in the run pro, in the race prior. Yes, with minus three point three, would have been like it would have been less than two lengths behind the leader. Would have been right alongside Zaki. So I felt that the the way that race was handled in the end, they probably did the right thing because this horse got the one sprint. And again, as you can see, very hard to have the finish given the conditions of the ground. Absolutely. All right, we'll uh, we'll cover all that in Sizzlers, the rest of the Flemington meeting. There's some real nice horses to, to follow, and really, the uh, it's going to start changing shape in Melbourne now with uh, with the best Group One racing uh, moving moving up north. Speaking of up north, uh, Group One racing this Saturday at uh, Rose Hill. We're also uh, we're still going to do another preview podcast on the Friday. Deep dive into the BMW into the Storm Queen and into the Emancipation because uh, it's a really good race too. So just the usual package there will be available at racetrackralphie.com.au via events. We'll also touch on the William Reed on the Friday night as a bit of a bonus there, but obviously it's all about Sydney uh, as far as the, uh, the the carnival continues. Speaking of Sydney, Rose Hill, how did the Golden Slipper track play, Vince, compared to, well, on the day, but also what your expectations were? Now, that was super wet, right? There's no question about it. That was super wet. I'll just look at the roars, right, and to give myself the indication and just take away a couple of the aberrations on what the ground conditions would be if you take away the, the race shape. But the reality is they started off the day minus 26 unadjusted, right? Race two, we had a bit of a guide. It was minus 18.6. Race three was probably the real guide for me around the minus 20 range. Absolutely genuine heavy. And yes, if we want to talk to this track improved, well, if I go all the way to the last race of the card, the last two races, we could say with a bit of confidence, particularly when I look at the last race, that the track may have improved about three lengths from the start of the day to the end of the day, but it never moved out of the heavy range. And this is a, a very basic overview to ask you, but it, it, on a day like this, is anything more important than just being a wet tracker? <laughs> Shelby 66, uh, Fireburn, two of the Group 1 winners, and they are ducks, and we've obviously already explained previously that Animo also is, uh, is a swimmer. Forbidden love, ditto. Yeah, well, of course, Shelby 66, we, we sort of touched on in the podcast, Rafi, that you know the unlocking of that horse is that it's, this is why it's come to prominence. It's just yeah. phenomenal on heavy tracks, like phenomenal. And again, on show, unbelievable performance. And right up to what it's been doing in its previous two runs. And yeah, loves the mud. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute duck. So, and, 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 and to underline though, like Shelby 66 wins a Galaxy 2.5. I just know without even looking up off the top of my head, Eduardo on, on heavy ground ran a plus four. So we weren't talking about a vintage year. And this is not knocking the horse, of course. He's a line chaser, but he's he's got both the perfect conditions and a lower standard year than normal. Yes, yes, for sure, Ralph. And hopefully some of the people, like I managed to have a speculative play on in the Congo, which was all looking right, good right, right on, to the on, end. <laughs> Let me, all right, if we'll start with the Galaxy, we'll start with it properly. This was torture because – but this is the caper, isn't it? Like I think it got out to about $15 on the fare. Uh, but what they did, they rode him to give him every chance. And you found out if you're on the each way play, it was uh, it was still uh, a fun watch. It was, Ralphie. I mean, over four bucks twenty a place. Really, it's as good as a win bet, isn't it? And <laughs> I have to say, maybe a hundred to go. I thought oh, I'm still a chance of getting victory as well. But yeah, just that last. <laughs> 
<laughs> 68 metres almost ran out of that fuel and the other two were over overpowered. But it also gave me the insight about where does a horse sit and the gamble always for me was not the class, was whether you could handle the wet track and that was the big thing. And ultimately, the horse was 50-50 really, Ralphie, in terms of how well it could handle the, the wet track. It, it got through it, but you would have needed to be a bit more hardening conditioning. So 1,200 metres, I think they said, actually, instead of the TJ, they're going to go, there's a 1,200 just for three-year-olds. I mean, <laughs> how are they going to catch it off this type of run? Oh, yeah, the horse is just going to keep improving. And it, and it didn't have a, a complete sort of bust opening first up run. It was really, to Tommy Berry's credit, he really controlled the race through the first two sections and it really allowed the horse to breathe in the mid-race. And I felt that was the, the probably the key ingredient for that horse to finish in the money. Shelby 66, rock hard horse, still did a fantastic job to give them four lengths head start virtually and get past them. I thought that was fantastic and just demonstrated its willingness and the rock hard fitness. How many times have you said over the years, Ralphie, when we used to be on do the radio about when you're rock hard fit and you get on these uh, really heavy tracks, how much of a bonus that is or, or benefit it is for horses to run up to their very best, whatever that may be? Yeah, absolutely, and, and and to add to the ride of Tommy Berry, what you said was um, in a race like this, you're going to take the sweepers out of play as long as you rate your horse right. And last bit, best bit for in the Congo, even though he got past those 200 micro splits, showed that he really started building from the 800 meter mark. Yeah, he never gave up. Yep. And if he had gone another three or four lengths faster in the mid race, he would have found himself not even being on the podium, I would say, and then he would have really tanked out because he would have just used all that energy and there'd be nothing left in the finish. All right, the uh, the Golden Slipper itself, um, oh, I went and watched every race of Fireburn just again afterwards. So two things, uh, and to put it by your data, our, our theme, this crop, has been no one's really exploded past the benchmark performance, and two... This horse is a line chaser. He hadn't, she, she rather hadn't done much on the clock, but she's a line chaser. But now there's both. She chased the line and she's actually produced easily the best uh, figure of the crop on the heavy ground. Well, this is it. And, you know, brilliant riding, obviously, by Brenton Abdallah. I mean, it was a. Jockeys are insanely brave. <laughs> yeah. We, we look at the data, but that's, they're just mad. <laughs> that was phenomenal. Yeah. He really. This, well, I'm not saying he was the difference between winning and losing, but he certainly would have made that go close. Well, if he scouted wide from yep. the 600, he might not have, not have won yeah. as good, good he, as he was. he wouldn't have got him. You're right, so Ruffy. 2.3, fourth best of the day for a two-year-old. That's that's starting to, that's pretty significant. It, it is. That, that's a fantastic effort. So we know that this horse here on this wet ground, definitely delivered. There's a little bit of versatility in the horse. The horse has also been able to win on firmer ground as well and has definitely demonstrated that's the leader of the pack. Now, is that just going to be a one-time run and that's the end of the horse? Who knows? But Portelli did the job, got the horse ready when it counted and they got victory. Uh, tick to Sam Clipperton for riding best of Bordeaux, how they should have ridden best of Bordeaux, got the best possible placing with an aggressive ride. Super smart. If they didn't do that, they wouldn't have even got close to being second. He really went for it. And you can see everything around it had to give it pretty much four to five lengths head start. And that's the reason why it found itself there at the finish, because in the mid-race, you could see the deterioration coming for the horse, Ralphie, just slowing, and was able to have something left over the last 200 metres, which is so hard for these youngsters. But you compare it to the winner, it was, what, four and a half lengths slower over the last 200 metres.
Uh, forbidden love, it was nice and easy just to, what when a horse is in the zone, particularly a, a filly or a mare, just, just stay with it. Um, and, and it's just ran basically to a range. What's come through, very slow tempo. And Colette, who looked under pressure at the 600 and we were cheering home hard at the each way, uh, she stuck at her task and to me almost looked like and this is on the day before the data's come out, I thought, well, there was a reason you were set for the Caulfield Cup in the first time because you, you, you were stronger the later in the race. And now it's come through. They actually went pretty slowly early, even allowing for the ground. Yeah, so the challenge for this horse is when you look at the ground conditions and you make that high exertion between the eight and the 400 metres, where you are in your fitness levels will play a role. And you have a look at a Colette, for instance. First up run, 5.9 lengths below benchmark first section. The mid-race move was around eight lengths. Then it went to Randwick over the mile, seven and a half lengths below benchmark. Very similar speed to what it did on the weekend. But the move was only 10 lengths. Here it was 16 lengths. So that extra six lengths, one more second on very heavy ground, unfortunately, it's going to give it give a little bit of toll at the end. And still, the horse fought it out all the way to the finish. Did manage to get the upper hand over the last 200 metres in terms of above benchmark. But it wasn't enough to, you know, reel in a horse like Forbidden Love, who really just thrived on it and was rock hard fit. And again, Forbidden Love's run to a number 2, 2.6 and here 2.3. So... So it's funny because um, we're, we're just football talking now. Uh, look at the Doncaster, and if, if assuming it's wet, what you've said about inspirational girl, particularly I'm thunderstruck, is you're only you know lukewarm on on them on the top of the ground on on very wet ground. We know Colette's good on very wet ground, and now she's got this run with a real deep fitness uh, coming into the Doncaster. For sure. So it'll just be all about how they can keep the speed in the horse, you know, some freshness because you're going to need some of that. Yep. Because it's the old story, Ralphie, if they run fast and you're 15 lengths from them. So here, the horse is only three lengths from the lead pack. It's it's like you're in touch. You're in the game. But if you were another 10 lengths further behind, which nobody was in this race, right? They were all yeah. cramped together. Then it would have been a different outcome. So that's the that's the only challenge they probably find with Colette is, you know, can you maintain a good position off fast speed? Because you're definitely going to run superbly in the wet ground but you still can't give horses 15, 16 legs, lengths head start and expect to beat them. And, and again, it's almost the reverse of the All-Star Mile here because um, the, the only worry for you on the on the preview podcast was if Riadini just went out and busted the field open and said Riadini went out and had a barrier trial in front. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Obviously, the horse must have been sucking. <laughs> That's it. Because I, I would have made more money out of Collie because I would have had more on it, right? <laughs> Especially because it paid pretty well for a place. But the reality yeah. is, I wasn't prepared to take any big risks. I was just going to be small play because I could I could not work out the pace because because of that one horse. I knew if that horse was out, I'd be laughing. But there it was. It was sucking, and there was never <laughs> never any <laughs> intention to go fast. Not at all. All right, the rock star Adamo. Um, if you heard our podcast after the Randwick Giddies, it was nice and clear what you said about the uh, the day. We'll read what we wrote after the Randwick Guineas. 1.4 length below benchmark. This is on our Sizzlers. Uh, ranked seventh on the day. Came off his 2.5 lead in, and the data screams it was race shape slash tactics with too much to do too late. Minus 15.2 at the 800 when six lengths off the lead. Minus 6.2 mid-race. 
while the best in the race was not overly significant given the lack of early speed. Minus 2.8 last 400 with minus one last 200 in isolation was the fifth best last 200 day at the end of the mile. We can't possibly drop off him from here. Expect a sharp rebound to his best next start with a better position in running and circumstance. Well, I reckon scraping in by seven lengths is pretty close to uh, some good performance events. Yeah, sometimes in life, Ralphie, <laughs> we need we need the the future to cash up to the present. Because if we go, we wind the back at a meeting before. This is what my expectation of what I was visualising, and I yes. know after race of Copland, <laughs> right? exactly. And a lot of people said converge to the new star, and I go, not a chance that that's the new star, right? Yep. Of course, you have to let things play out, right, in the future yep. and bring it back to the present. And, and we got to see reality about really what the gap is between this and a bunch of other horses and, you know, realistically, the, well, all the other three-year-olds. And I'm not knocking Converge, still ran second. But this time, it was only a length and a half behind it. <laughs> and you would think, okay, a length and a half behind it, well, you should still be there at the end. And it, and it just got absolutely smashed and I still don't believe Animo got out of the gears but what was important was that slow pace at least James said well there's no way I'm going to be sitting because he could have sat at the end of the field yep and sat last said well I don't care I'll just sit last and I've got the best horse and we'll give them all a head start and try and beat him again and some some little things you hear along the way that resonate. And I remember on the old punter show, Mark Lamborn saying, no speed, no talent. Well, it's not that they went quick, but clearly James McDonald said, well, stuff it. What, what am I, why don't I just roll forward? We're only walking, and here it was, 26 lengths below benchmark. So no reason to not just roll forward and see what happens. And then Profondo over-raced and, and went past him. But uh, but that that was good. He just he took, took any luck out of the equation. He really did. And the beauty of it, at least for the race, is Got a high-powered last 800-metre race. Yep. So it's a half run. Of course, it's not ideal, and they probably do have their own challenges now, whatever they're going to do, because this is considered a half run, right? But the move in the mid-race was huge, and it was for – for respect to this race, it was brutal. And if you well, didn't have that capacity, you weren't going to be there. Well, it looks like at this stage, and we're recording this Tuesday morning, and of course we'll do everything Friday morning, There's, it looks like they're on target to back up next Saturday in the Queen Elizabeth, so we'll get your thoughts on Friday about that further. Oh, okay. Montefilia, uh, well, she ended up with the best of the day performance and beat the uh, the champion very elegant. Um, we, you weren't expecting very elegant to be to be beaten. She was 1.3 lengths below benchmark on a wet track. Oh, would, that, would, would that about be a worst ever wet track run? Well, Ralphie, you know, I love James McDonald, right? Because he's a, <laughs> and what I love about him is he's like one of a group of riders that if you want to, I mean, of course, lucky for me, the horse was way too short, so I couldn't participate, right? But I would have, right? Had I've gotten what I need to get to to bet in the race, the reality is sometimes, and I don't know what it is. He demonstrated that with Amino, Animo two starts back. He's done the same thing. He was very elegant, right? That he sat at the back and just waited and waited and waited, thinking that, well, I've got them all covered and I'm going to be too good. And it turned out that it wasn't too good and it got beaten because this horse is a phenomenal wet tracker. Monophilia is a good horse. We sort of just touched on it in the podcast that I just thought, no, but you, you, you could run very well. But the reality is 
two lengths head start in the mid-race when I look at what, what took place there between the 8 and the 400 metres. There's a, a slight overexertion for him to put himself in the race. And then there was no finish, was there? There was no finish with the horse at all, none. Which surprised so me. The itself that though has gone super. Gone superb. Yeah. Absolutely superb. It was, it was outstanding. And I know that Payne was sort of communicating pre-race that he really felt that the horse was really in sync and he was expecting this big performance and the horse turned up and delivered. It's been a, a, not an easy horse to catch, but there it was it delivered and i'm just sit back and say well you're right ralph it's the that's about as bad a run you'll ever get for very elegant hopefully they don't have any grand ideas about going overseas i just want to correct myself from earlier i said animo quick backup it won't be quick backup with two weeks to the uh, to the queen elizabeth so um so the the, the tankards this week uh, over 2500 won't be running in that um all right a couple of members questions though to uh, to to round things off and uh, as i said we we always uh, let our uh, members ask us questions uh when i send them an email on a sunday you can become a member via my website click on the links on the right hand side of the page and uh we give you best of the day each week as amongst other things shortly i'll be sending all our Group 1 members, the top five performances of the Melbourne Spring uh, Autumn Carnival. Well, I say Autumn Carnival, the Group 1 season. So that's a good document going forward. From Paddy. Uh, G'day, Ralph. Recreational punter learning all the time. You may have covered this in the preview pod, but my question is, why do people get nervous when the best horse in the race, who is an on-pacer, draws wide, e.g. Zaki? To my logic, if the pace is on, the field will be strung out and he can slot in somewhere. If the pace is not on, e.g. Sunday, it doesn't really matter if he gets cover or not because it's a hot pace and he can make a move wherever he likes to his own advantage without any fear of interference. Broad generalisations, I know. Not immune to the chaos theory, but on the right track. Thoughts, Vince? Yeah, I, I, with that particular horse, absolutely. Yeah. No question. Some horses it wouldn't, wouldn't be an advantage. Like, example... Let's just look at I'm Thunderstruck. Let's say that was drawn out wide. Yep. Not much is going to change. You're still going to be at the back. And it could possibly cost you three or four lengths because yeah. position running, you've got to slot in. Yeah, yeah, you got to wait. Whereas Zaki, it's a go-forward horse, got some good good capacity in terms of speed. We've seen this horse produce plenty of power through the first half of the race if it wants to. And good old Jamie Carr, she had the ammunition to exactly like – what was communicated in terms of the question that he could, she could just go fast or slow depending on the shape. Uh, from Tim, g'day Ralph. Hopefully a simple one from me. Does Vince's IVR platform adjust and standardise between venues or are the figure on a per venue basis? E.g., is a benchmark figure at Packenham Cranbourne broadly equivalent to a benchmark figure at Flemington Caulfield, or are they figures only relevant to a given track? Obviously important to understand when determining how much uh, weight to give to a provincial performer when coming to the city tracks. Well, the reality is, you can, generally speaking, you can bring it right across from anywhere. Yep. But the way I like to do it is, I like to view metros with metros, provincials with provincials, and country with country, even though... Again, like if I'm doing my form and a horse has got a run from pack and it's got a, z- a benchmark performance, if there is no other performance in, you know, where it hasn't gone to town this is the first time, then I will bring that benchmark performance into play. Yep. If there's a Metro win, I'll tend to use that first, depending on, you know, like unless that horse had no chance and was beaten 10 lengths because the, the power isn't about 
can you take it from meeting to meeting, track to track? The power is all about understanding the true merit of the performance of what it did. Did it get every opportunity? Did it get a bad ratio? Because you might have put in a, a benchmark performance or a minus five, but the reality is that could have been a far better performance than that given the race shape. But yes, I I basically take the figure from there and use it in any other meeting. All right. We appreciate the support of all our members, and we love the uh, the interactions there that on the on the Sunday. Uh, if you once again, if you want to get our preview podcast, it'll be available this Friday uh, from my website racetrackralphie.com.au via the uh, events section. All events Cardi's work via daily sectionals, including uh, his cutting edge race speed profiles products.